Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Exam Room Rambles. You are listening to Dr. Tracy Westergaard a veterinarian at the Marshall Animal Clinic in Marshall, Minnesota, and today is August 6th. I'm going to talk about struvite urinary crystals and stones. Now, this is a type of stone that both dogs and cats can get. Now, the technical name for struvite is magnesium ammonium phosphate, also known as triple phosphate. We use the term struvite. I guess that would be like a slang term, but we say struvite crystals. Now, under the microscope, these are nice, cute little box-shaped crystals. Kind of, some of them are coffin-shaped crystals, but they're pretty distinctive under the microscope. Now, magnesium is normal in the urine. It's something that's excreted through the kidneys and out the urinary tract. It is just a metabolic byproduct, and magnesium is something we need in our whole body to survive. So there's lots of different types of stones, and Hopefully over the next couple months, I'll cover all these different types of stones. But struvites are the ones that we see most commonly in cats. In fact, half of all cat stones in crystals are struvites. And in dogs, about a third of the stones that we see are struvite crystals. The other common one that we see in dogs is oxalates, and I'll cover that in a different podcast. Now, some of the causes of struvite crystals and struvite stones can be a little different in dogs and cats, yet they all apply to both dogs and cats. So the number one cause of struvite crystals in dogs is urinary tract infections. And this is also related to alkaline pH. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure what comes first, the chicken or the egg. So bacteria is my understanding, can actually, the the byproduct of the bacteria in the urinary bladder can change the pH of that urine. But I also understand that if you have alkaline urine, not you, but your dog, if your dog has alkaline urine, it is a more welcoming environment, environment for bacteria to live and flourish and reproduce. So there are some theories or some holistic veterinarians that believe that we have changed the dog's diet so much by adding grains to the diet and not necessarily grains, carbohydrates to the dog's diet, that it's changing their pH. Their urine is more alkaline, kind of like an herbivore, like a horse or a cow. Carnivore pH should be 6 to 6.5, but we've changed their diet with these modern dog foods, carbohydrates specifically, and that makes them more susceptible for urinary tract infections. Anyway, what I do know is that when we see struvite stones in dogs, there is almost always a urinary tract infection. Now, in school that I learned, I learned that dogs cannot have struvite stones without a urinary tract infection. And I think that's changed, their thoughts have changed on that. But for the most part, if I see struvite crystals in a dog, they've got infection. I just have to figure out what kind of bacteria and what kind of antibiotic. So the third cause of struvite crystals and stones is concentrated urine. Now, animals can have concentrated urines for different reasons. One of them could be their diet. For example, cats. We feed cats a lot of dry food, 
not canned food, which would be more natural for them. There's a ton of moisture in canned food. And so a lot of cats are running around subclinically dehydrated with concentrated urine because they're just not getting enough moisture in their diet. Remember, if your kitty were out hunting for all its food, everything it eats would be moist tissue. If you haven't listened to one of my first two podcasts on feeding pets, go back and listen to podcast one and two. There's some good information there on feeding your animals. Animals can have concentrated urine for other reasons, too. Some animals just aren't good drinkers. They don't like the water. The water is stale. The water bowl is gross. Maybe they're just not good drinkers. Some critters hold their urine, too. There's some dogs, like my dog Rodney, who does not like to go out and go potty. He'll hold his urine until he can't hold it anymore. So that concentrated urine can also be old urine, urine retention. So those two are are similar but different. We actually measure urine concentration on every urine sample we do. You measure it the same way you would measure like the concentration of your antifreeze when you're mixing that up to put in your radiator. I forget the tool that you use. I know we use a refractometer. But that concentration of the urine can tell us so many things. Most of the animals that we see that are healthy and normal, they have a concentration of 1040-ish. Now, if they're on certain special diets to help control their urinary issues, we often see a more dilute urine. We might see a urine of 1020. Now, I say 1020, but it's actually 1.020. We use a lot of kind of slang terms, and I apologize for that. One of the signs that the kidneys aren't working well is when we get the specific gravity of urine that is 1013. That is called isocenuric. And that is a number that means that the kidneys can no longer concentrate or dilute urine. And then sometimes we see really dilute urine. We'll see urine that's 1006. And sometimes we'll look for why that animal is drinking so much that its urine is so dilute. But I'm getting off track. This has nothing to do with struvites, but it has everything to do with concentration. So why do crystals form in concentrated urine? Think about salt water. If you have a glass of salt water sitting on your counter and it evaporates, the water part evaporates over a couple days, you'll start to see salt forming sitting in the bottom of that glass. Anytime we have more concentrated substance in a fluid, it can precipitate out its basic chemistry. And that's kind of the deal with the pH too. Different substances are going to precipitate whether a pH is more alkaline or more basic or more acidic. Acidic would be your low number, your five, your six. Seven is neutral and then alkaline is or base is going to be eight and nine. I've never seen a urine of 10. I've never seen a urine of four, but I've seen everything from five to eight. So what are the signs that your pet has urinary struvite crystals? Well, often there's no sign at all. In fact, I had three cases in the last month where I found stones accidentally. And this is really pretty common. These dogs came in for annual exams. I heard a heart murmur. We decided it would be best to start with a chest radiograph to measure the size of that heart. And they were small enough dogs that I could get the entire dog on my x-ray field, and sure enough, there's a stone in the bladder. So no signs at all. 
A second, more common sign that we see is frequent urination. People call because they've noticed over the last couple weeks that their dog's been peeing more and maybe even having accidents. And of course, with increased urination, we sometimes see increased thirst, not always. So the third sign would be a smaller stream or a smaller amount at a time. With boy dogs, a lot of times we'll see little dribbles instead of a full stream, especially first thing in the morning. For cats, if you're using clumpable litter, you can just see small little clumps instead of that big, heavy clump. Inappropriate urination, that's one that usually drives people to the clinic sooner than later. It's especially bad in cats when their urine is concentrated. Cats peeing outside of the box is a huge red flag that there is something wrong with your cat. So many times when your cat is not going where it's supposed to, there's an underlying health issue. It's not, it can be behavioral. We see behavioral issues, but we absolutely must rule out stones and infections. It's Minnesota and you have snow on the ground and it's winter. A lot of times you'll see blood in the urine. Bloody snow. That's a sign that your dog has some kind of stone. If they're peeing like on your linoleum or you're cleaning it up too, you can sometimes see cloudiness to that urine. And then sometimes you can feel the stones. That's not super common with the big dogs, but sometimes with a really relaxed cat or a really relaxed dog, when we're palpating them on an annual exam or when an owner just picks them up, they can feel that stone in their bladder. It is the craziest feeling. These stones can get huge. We have taken stones out of dogs' bladders that have been easily the size of golf balls. Now, usually when we take out stones, um, they're more like anywhere from a couple millimeters up to one or two centimeters, but some of them can get huge and they can get huge very fast. So if your dog is showing any of the signs that I just listed above, the first thing you need to do is call and make an appointment. We're going to do a physical exam. We've been over this before. This includes a temperature, a palpation, looking in the ears, the eyes, the nose, the throat, the heart, lungs, looking under the tail, feeling them all over. That's just a basic. Every time you come, you're going to get that. But what's really important that we're going to need to do is a urinalysis. That means we need to catch a sample of urine. You can do that at home with a clean container. Take your pet out on a leash, and when they go potty, you slip that container under them. It is usually a two-person job. If you aren't able to do that at home or just don't want to, we'll do that at the clinic for you. But you got to remember, you can't let your dog pee on your way into the clinic. There are so many smells in our clinic lawn that dogs love to go out there and pee, whether they're a girl or a boy. Don't let them do that if you're seeing signs of urinary issues. Bring them into the clinic right away, and then we'll take them out and catch a urine. If the animal is just not going to tolerate that, sometimes we'll do a cystocentesis with or without an ultrasound. We like to use the ultrasound to do a guided cystocentesis, and a cystocentesis means taking the urine out of the bladder with a syringe and needle. A, the ultrasound tells us what we're, where we're going, where the needle is going, but secondly, we get a look at the bladder too. We get a look to see if we see stones, which we can see on ultrasound. We get to measure the thickness of the bladder. We can look for polyps. We can look for tumors. We can look at the consistency of the urine. Sometimes animals, cats and dogs, don't necessarily have individual stones. Sometimes they have a conglomerate of mucus and crystals. And when you look at it on the ultrasound, it's just this kind of fuzzy floating floaters. We call them floaters. 
There is an advantage to doing a cystocentesis, killing two birds with one stone, getting your urine sample and looking at the bladder. So urinalysis tells us a bunch of things. The first thing we do is measure that concentration. I've already talked about that. That's the specific gravity. A urinalysis will tell us the pH from five to eight. We just very, very, very rarely will see any kind of infection on an acidic urine. If we see a pH of eight, we look for other signs of infections. The urinalysis will also tell us if there's white blood cells or red blood cells. Now, this is a, I don't know how to explain it, a reaction that's put on a urine strip, but we always confirm the urine strip results with microscopy, meaning we take a sample of the urine and we essentially look under the microscope. Now, we use a machine that magnifies the urine and we look at a picture of it, but back in the olden days, we looked under the microscope. The other thing that we look for is crystals. Like I said, they're these nice little pretty squares and, and rectangles. I'll see if I can find a picture and post it on our Facebook page when I launch this podcast. And then the other important thing that a urine analysis tells us is whether or not there's protein in the urine. And that's a whole nother podcast. There's different causes for protein in the urine. It's not supposed to be there. Just remember that. Now, depending on the situation, we may or may not do a culture and sensitivity. In an ideal world where resources were unlimited, we would be doing a culture and sensitivity on every animal. But sometimes we're working with limited resources and there's a cost with that. Usually a culture and sensitivity is over 100 bucks, where the urinalysis is usually about 40. So I kind of talked about ultrasound. That's an important diagnostic step. Step. But we don't always need to do it. Sometimes we take x-rays. Sometimes we find those stones accidentally on x-rays. The nice thing about an x-ray is, I don't know what the nice thing about an x-ray is. Oh, it's easy. It's easy and it's quick. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a little brain fart there. It's easy and it's quick. And we get to see usually a whole picture of the dog. If there's a dog or a cat, we can get the whole animal on the x-ray. We see other things. We see their stomach. We see their intestines. We see their spleen, their liver, their chest, the size of their heart, the health of their spine. So sometimes an x-ray will give us a really clear picture of all the parts. Now, one of the major differences between dogs and cats is that cats can have these crystals even when there's no infection. In fact, where we see struvite crystals in our practice most often is in young, neutered male cats being fed a grocery store brand cat food. So these cat foods are not the best for your cat. Cat food is one thing in this world where you get what you pay for. And buying a premium cat food, a cat food that has a minimal amount of carbohydrate, is crucial. So cats, in fact, we've had three in the last week. It's been a full moon, and in veterinary medicine, things come in three. So we had three cats with pretty bad crystals in their urine. Two of them actually plugged or got a blockage where the crystals in the mucus mix together and they block the penis so that cat can't pee. That is absolutely a medical emergency. Cats can die from that. They can go into renal failure and die. And it can happen very fast within two or three days. So if you ever see your male cat straining in and out of the urinary box, stop what you're doing, call the vet, get advice, and it's probably going to be to bring them in. Okay, that's a whole nother podcast also. I just wanted to say that cats are 
can get these struvite crystals without infection. In fact, it's actually a little more rare to see struvite infection or struvite crystals in a male cat with infection. Females are a little different. Now you got to remember from an infection point of view, so many of these infections can be ascending infections, meaning the bacteria comes from the outside world and it works its way to the inside of the urinary tract. Now boys have a penis, so they have a long urethra. That bacteria has a much greater length to travel and a much greater barrier, where females have a short little urethra, and so the bacteria can get in and out a lot easier. Like I said earlier, dogs, though, we will almost always have infection with that, and we're going to look for it. Treatment goals. So we've diagnosed your pet with struvite crystal urea or struvite stones. The number one goal, of course, is to restore the urine pH, and we will do that with diet, usually a prescription diet. There are wonderful prescription foods. We have science diet. We have Royal Canin, and we have Purina veterinary lines all at Marshall Animal Clinic. So if you have a pet that is picky about the food, we have options. Second treatment goal is to increase moisture in the eye, in the diet. We always like to add canned food, especially for cats. If canned food freaks you out, you can also soak the dry food and make it mushy. Frequent water changes. Seriously, do a taste test for your cats and your dogs. You can try RO water. You can try distilled water. You can try drinking water from your faucet. Try different waters and do a taste test and see what your pets prefer. My cat Hisser loves outdoor water. Water from the puddles in my driveway, and I'm not out there like scooping up water. But I live in an old house and sometimes we get water in our basement, seeps up through the cracks. The cat will be down there licking that water. She loves water that is not out of my faucet. She does not like softened water, and I think that's pretty common in cats. Don't forget to wash your bowls. They get that watery slime in there. Um, wash your bowls every day. Please use stainless steel, no plastic. Go back and listen to my first two podcasts. You can use bone broth and different, different broths also to entice your pets to drink more. Some people will use tuna juice. Just make sure you're doing everything low sodium. We have to control the infection. That's treatment goal number three. We'll do that with antibiotics. Like I said earlier, we would prefer a culture and sensitivity, not essential. Different bacteria respond to different antibiotics, so it's really nice to know what kind of bacteria we're dealing with. Number four, for cats specifically, is control stress. Cats have a different idea of stress than we do, but it still goes back to resources. If you have a multi-cat household, or even if you don't, if you have a dog and a cat, or you have your cat's food and water and litter box way in the basement in the back corner behind your washer or behind your clothes washer, like that makes resources hard for your cat to get to. And that can be very stressful. We do see resource guarding. You maybe don't see it. You think your cats all get along because they play and sleep together, but resource guarding can still happen. That's when, um, Cats are speaking their own little cat communication, and there's a dominant cat saying, nope, you don't get to come to the water bowl. We don't always pick up on that with humans unless we've gone through like some crazy in-depth cat behavior classes. So just keep in mind, in any multi-animal household, resource guarding can be an issue. Controlling stress also means feeding canned food. Feed a more natural diet for your cats. And consider environmental stimulation. There are all sorts of cool food games out there for cats and dogs that add mental and emotional stimulation to your cat. Animals, dogs and cats are designed to be hunters. 
we've taken them so far away from what is natural for them as far as putting dry food in a plastic bowl on our kitchen floor. So consider looking into food games. I'm starting to talk faster and go through this a little bit more because I see I'm at 20 minutes and I wanted this podcast to be short. Nutraceuticals, number six. There are different... No, I skipped number five. I skipped number five. Underlying cause of infection. We need to identify why your dog is getting infection. If this is an older female dog, a spayed female, we look for incontinence. That sphincter that keeps the bladder door shut can get loose. Things are looser, the bacteria can ascend into that bladder much easier. Other underlying cause that we see, especially in the toy breed dogs, is dental disease. The mouth is the doorway to the body. So if you have abscess tooth or dental disease, that bacteria can get into your bloodstream and go certain places. It likes to go to the bladder and it likes to go to heart valves. So you can have a dog with periodontal disease and infection in its mouth and end up with a heart murmur and heart disease because the bacteria gets to the heart valves through the blood. Grooming issues. Um, Sometimes cats are just so big and fat that they can't groom their back end. We can see that in dogs too. Dogs can also have conformational changes. There is this thing called a inverted vulva where the vulva kind of has a residual sheath and it covers up the, the vulva and it can be like a crap trap. So we do look for that on puppies. It's definitely not like a death sentence if your dog has an inverted vulva, but it does mean we need to watch more carefully for signs of infection. And then there are some diseases that cause urinary retention. We see this in older labs. We see it in pugs, a condition called degenerative myelopathy. Now, this is a nervous system disorder where the back end gets kind of numb and those back legs don't work so well. Or you could have something like a dachshund with intervertebral disc disease. But anytime the nerves aren't working to the back end of the body, whether it's from spinal cord trauma or one of these degenerative changes... It's not just the legs that don't work as well. It's the bladder too. So you can have incontinence or urine retention as a result of this nervous condition. The last treatment goal, and it's less important. You don't want to necessarily start with this, but I'm going to throw it in there. And that is nutraceuticals. This would be your glucosamines. Now I know glucosamines you thought were just for joint health, but That actually um, helps line the bladder. It's one of the building blocks to to mucus that lines the bladder and protects the bladder from infection. Cranberry. Cranberry does not work for every kind of infection. It's specifically with um, E. coli's and an adherence molecule. Fish oils. I'm a huge fan of fish oil. It's the closest thing to a super vitamin out there. It can help with so many things overall. Immune function healthy coat, heart health, joint, and bone health. So I think it's healthy for urinary tract too. DL-methionine, vitamin C, stress-related supplements like controlling stress in your pets. These are all adjunctive treatments that you would add after you've done the food changes, after you've changed how you feed, increased water consumption, treated infection. And please go to your veterinarian on guidance on which nutraceuticals are going to be appropriate. So the cool thing about these struvite stones, if you haven't figured it out, and I don't think I've actually said it, is 
we can dissolve these stones. They can form quickly and they can dissolve quickly too. They do not have to have surgery. Now, sometimes there are reasons we do surgery, especially if these struvite stones are blocking the urethra, like in a male cat or a male dog, like they can't pee. We have to take that critter to surgery. Time is not a luxury. But usually, if we have the option to dissolve these crystals by a change in diet, change adding canned food and a prescription diet, and treating the infection, we'll re-x-ray in 30 days as long as the pet is not miserable and in pain and discomfort. And if we see a 50% reduction in the size of that stone on the radiograph, we'll go another 30 days. Sometimes they're totally gone in 30 days. And then, of course, we're going to get to the root of the problem and do what we can so the struvite stone doesn't come back. That usually involves staying on a special diet, um, controlling stress, increasing water consumption, blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure there's someone out there that does lithotripsy. I think they do that at the university. That's where they, I think, use some kind of weird thing to break those stones up and pull them out in pieces. And then there is another thing called urohydropropulsion. Now, not every dog is a candidate for this, but it is something that we do if the stones are small enough and depending on the size of the dog in comparison to those stones. And we actually flush them out of the bladder through the urethra. But no doubt about it, if we have the option to dissolve the crystals, we're going to do that. So, I think this might be my longest podcast ever. I wanted so bad to have something short and concise. But I am proud of myself because I just talked. I'm going to try to do minimal editing. My motivation for the day is get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect. So, I hope you learned a lot from this episode. You know where you can find me examroomrambles at gmail.com or the Marshall Animal Clinic during regular business hours, 507-537-1537. And we have a website, marshallanimalclinic.com. Please visit it. Thank you so much. 